This is out of bounds. How about that? I, I said to you when you showed me this before the program began, I wish you had showed it to me live because I was ooing and aahing and cooing and uh, losing my mind. How fantastic ooh. is that? How good is that, Jaguar fans oh, yes. that may be tuning in right now? This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds. Thank you to our crew here at Know Your News for throwing that fantastic little intro video together. It's the first out of bounds of the year 2023. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba, and we have a fantastic episode to get us kicked off in style with the wild, the weird, and the wacky in all of sports. Mia, how was your New Year's? It was very nice, John. Um, it was very stress-free for the most part, and that I really appreciated. Um, did have to host the good old Jaguars kickoff show at a a lovely 8 a.m. on New Year's Day, so that was a little less than desirable, but got a quick nap in and was ready to rumble and enjoy the rest of the weekend. And for the first time in my young life, I have today off from my day job, um, cause it's a bank holiday and a government holiday. And I, I've never had that being in the news business for the past seven years of my life. It's, it's wild to think that there is life outside of that, but I'm glad you're able to enjoy it. We got to hang out last week. That was always fun. We were trying folks. We were efforting having a live, like two, we two of us to together, to but since my family was over, we were like, Meh. I was yeah, like, we were eh. told it's all good. Take the holidays off. We hope everyone and out of bounds land had a great holiday. Uh, for the past few weeks, for whatever you celebrate, special thanks to Jordan Katz for filling in a couple weeks ago as well. And we are ready to rock and roll with a busy slate here on Out of Bounds for 2023. So, Mia, let's not waste any more time. It is the opportunity for our opening toast here. We'll... I'm going to actually, uh, in, in the, I swear, I'm not going to do that new year, new diet thing. Like, you know, that's not me. Um, but I actually have some kombucha. So kombucha. Trying... Yes, I have some kombucha tonight trying to uh, cleanse everything that, you know, I I have the food that I've put into my body, the 18 pounds I probably gained from the holidays. So uh, cheers to everyone having a happy and a healthy 2023, whether that health be via um, whatever kombucha is considered. The lovely whiskey that John is patron patronaging. It's not a word. doesn't matter. Hope everyone enjoys this new year and makes it the best yet. Mm. that is some caramel whiskey and i'm all about it 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 really uh livens me up a little bit mia it 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 gets the it gets the blood rushing just a little bit how about peanut butter whiskey that's what i have currently i've got that right here oh yes there it is thank you folks there we we go we got the whiskey lineup here we got the caramel whiskey we've got the peanut butter whiskey and then just in case we're not feeling super dark for the day we got the jmo so of course you've been all... doing a lot of jmo in the month of you december so i'm glad to see you've you've come you've seen the light yes you've come to the caramel yeah. side in january I don't see it i'm living that gimmick every single week here on out of bounds something that really gets me jonesed up as well the nfl playoffs we are knocking on the door of the nfl playoffs thank in large part Due to some pretty incredible action this past week, there's a great line from Thanos in Avengers Endgame 2018, or Avengers Infinity War 2018 and Avengers Endgame 2019, where he says, I am inevitable, and then snaps. Tom Brady, he's inevitable. He got his Tampa Bay Bucks 
back in it after a slow start. And as you like to bring up so often, a divorce to win the NFC South. My brother, my brother who doesn't watch the NFL literally brought it up again last night. Continue. I'm sure he did. Aaron Rodgers, Will and the Packers back from irrelevance. They're knocking on the doors of the NFL playoffs. Mike Tomlin, Kenny Pickett, the Steelers, they pull off an upset of the Ravens. They're knocking on the doors of the NFL playoffs. These three teams that we were writing off months ago could find themselves in the big dance, one of them for sure. Mia, who is more inevitable, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or Mike Tomlin, the level of consistency, the benchmark of consistency in NFL coaches? So I want to start with this, um, which is the news of the day in my land. And don't worry, we will be diving into the Jacksonville Jaguars being flexed into primetime on Saturday later in the program. Um, as of this writing, I believe Sunday Night Football has released, which I reported last night, that the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions will be the final Sunday night game of the regular season. That has people losing their minds because if the Seahawks win earlier in the day on Sunday – the Lions will be eliminated before they even take the field at Lambeau. And so why would you put that game in primetime? Aaron Rodgers. It's that simple. When I talk to folks over at NBC, he's a ratings machine. Their story is crazy. Well, and he, it could be Aaron Rodgers' last game with the Packers, too, in theory. Also that. It's so a that's... win and in for the Packers, which if you had told someone that two months ago, they never would have believed you. And that that's just who he is. And I agree. It's He's inevitable. However... I am going to go with Mike Tomlin because the the stats are absolutely ridiculous. I understand in the postseason he's eight and nine all time, and that's a losing record. But the dude has been to the playoffs every year. He has been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. John, he has been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2007 when we were in the eighth grade. That is unfathomable. And so the fact that he's been able to turn lemons into lemonade with the likes of Kenny Pickett or heck even during the COVID year in 2020, where he barely had a quarterback, correct me if I'm wrong, once Ben Roethlisberger went down, it was patchwork with Mason Rudolph and company. Like how this guy keeps getting away with this, I do not know. It says to me, in reality, with all due respect to Bill Belichick, who of course is going to go down as perhaps the greatest coach of all time. Mike Tomlin should also be in the conversation because it's not like he has this one great quarterback that's doing no. it for him because Ben Roethlisberger at the end of his career, as much as he may be a hall of famer, I don't think that he's in the same conversation as a game changer, like a Tom Brady. No, I think a lot of it has to do with the way that division is constructed as well. Historically speaking, it's a pretty historically speaking. Yes. It's a pretty consistently constructed division. And I think when you have the way of the land looking that way, you know what your path to winning is. And I think that has helped the Steelers have sustained longevity in the NFL under Mike, Tom- Mike-, Mike Tomlin. I respect that pick. I'm not going to hate against that pick. He is an all-time great coach as far as I'm concerned. I think it's great, especially that he's a- an African-American head coach with that longevity. That's great for the game. That's important. People almost forget about that too, which is like, uh, for for all the you know everything that you know everyone is doing to try to create more diversity especially in those higher positions of power in the coaching ranks in the front office suites like it's huge what Mike Tomlin is doing and the fact that I mean Brian Flores is on his staff like mm-hmm. he's not a guy that's just like doing what he's doing and then not helping the next one in line either so thank you for bringing that up as well but the answer is Tom Brady no I'm sorry 
That division is awful. The division is bad. I get it. Because that's the thing. The Steelers division, I understand it's usually the Bengals and the Browns are a disaster and you just got to get past the Ravens. And all four teams are constructed in the trenches. I totally respect that. But this year, that division could have three playoff teams. The the NFC South, excuse me, we're going to get to the AFC South, which is equally as abysmal. Um, The NFC South, like... I mean, what, what was the story? Sam we Darnold. You have to get past Sam Darnold the, in the year of our Lord 2023. We were talking about at the beginning of the season. We were talking about how Tom Brady was going to face his ultimate test this year because he lost his entire offensive line in training camp. And he's 45 years old. He's playing at the age that he said that, oh, this, I want to play it until I'm 45. He came out of retirement to cement that, and he still made the playoffs. I don't care if your division is bad. Making the playoffs in the NFL is a really hard thing to do. Even as they expand to the playoffs, it's still a really hard thing to do. It's harder when you're a quarterback who is not mobile like Tom Brady in in that circumstances, when you're his age and the weapons are constantly changing around you under a different head coach this year as well. This is one of the more impressive stories that we've seen this year in football and will fly under the radar because he's Tom Brady and it is expected that he will win. And it is because he is expected to win, Mia, that Tom Brady is inevitable. And guess what? I wouldn't want to face the Buccaneers in the playoffs. I understand I'm still not taking my chances against Tom Brady because if I'm in a close game against Tom Brady, I don't like my chances. They're lucky they play in the NFC, by the way. I'm pulling up the NFC playoff picture because, I mean, I know with this writing, I believe it's the Cowboys. I know the Eagles are like messing around, um, but I believe it would be the Cowboys. It would still be, it'd still be the Eagles at this point, depending on that what would happens. face. Well, that would have the one seed. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, you're face, the, that would face the Buccaneers as the four seed. Brady can beat the Cowboys. Brady can absolutely beat the Cowboys. I think actually no. So four. What's it? So the four goes against the. It would be. On, it right? would be. It would be Brady and the Cowboys. I'm fairly certain. Yeah, I think that's what it would be. I mean, that's. Uh, and the Cowboys. I wouldn't would pick. Right, I wouldn't pick against Brady because he's going against the Cowboys. Cowboys well, I would never be in Tom Brady. They've never correct, beaten him. Once. Correct. So that's. So I agree with you. But if they were going against, I don't know, the 49ers, I'm picking the Niners. If they were going against even the upstart Giants, I might be tempted to pick the Giants. Um, if they're going against, well, the Vikings, I don't trust with a 39 and a half foot pole. Um, but the Eagles, the, again, the if they were playing league, in the you AFC. Find yourself, you find yourself in a shootout against Tom Brady. That's yeah, not With a- Byron Leftwich and him, who barely can get through a game calling plays. Their running game is averaging less than like 50 yards per carry in almost every single, excuse me, 50 yards a game in almost every game this year. I just think historically speaking, until the man has hung up his cleats for the final time, that you can never bet against this guy in big situations. And this is not me saying saying the Bucs are going to make a Super Bowl run. I don't think the Bucs are going to make a Super Bowl run. Someone will beat them in the postseason. It might happen in the first round. Could. But I, yes, it, it, to me, Mia, until this man retires, he is the most inevitable thing there is. But you have to admit, in terms of path to the playoffs, the Steelers one is absurd. Oh, like, yeah. 100%. That, that's what that's the and like last year, the Steelers one was absurd. They needed the Jaguars, the two win Jaguars to beat the Indianapolis Colts in the final week of the regular season for them to even have a chance to get into the playoffs last year. And it's looking like another wacky scenario now this year after their improbable wins last night and then over the Raiders a few weeks ago, although. Uh, now that one doesn't look uh, quite as nice with all the drama yeah. going on in Las Vegas. No, it certainly does not. It certainly. Uh, 
Speaking of teams that will be playing in the postseason, and I alluded to them a little bit earlier, John, uh, let us give our flower. Let's give uh, Daniel Jones his flowers. Let us pay our respects to the New York football giants who will be making their first playoff appearance since 2016. That was the banana boat year, folks. Ignore my washing machine making noises in the background. Um, Daniel Jones, a guy that was much maligned when Dave Gettleman took him with the sixth overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft, handpicked by the Manning family, Faced with god-awful football, the crazy New York media, and an outraged Giants fan base over his first three seasons, four seasons, excuse me, in the league. He's, excuse me, wait, let me do the math. It is, yeah, this is his fourth year in the league. So his first three seasons, his fifth-year option was not picked up by first-year head coach Brian Dable and company this offseason. And now Daniel Jones has led the New York football Giants to the postseason for the first time in six years. Look at John, that face. That is a quarterback, Mia. As our resident Giants, I won't say fan, because you are a fan, but you I know you don't like But you follow the Giants more than I do. How monumental is this moment, but also how sustainable is this offense with Daniel Jones at the helm? Daniel Jones proved this year that the Giants can win with him. And that is all you needed to know coming into this season. He showed poise. He cut his turnovers down significantly. The Giants had 30 offensive turnovers coming into uh, last season. Uh, sorry, pardon me. Let me rewind there. <clears throat> they were 30th in the NFL in turnovers last season offensively, and they cut that down to 15th in the league this year. When you are able to cut your turnovers down in half, uh, that's pretty significant in the grand scheme of things, and him fumbling the ball was a big part of that. When you make that big step, you make that big jump, that because Peyton Manning and Eli Manning both had that problem too in their early days in the NFL where they were fumbling. So did the ball. Tiki Barber. And Tiki Barber did as well. Uh, when, when you cut down on that, it makes a dramatic difference in your offensive presentation and how you can conduct business. The Giants have no weapons offensively outside of Saquon Barkley, they have none. And Daniel Jones made it work with his legs. He created one in the tight end, Daniel Bellinger. And now this is a squad that if you were to tell me you were putting money on them to beat the Minnesota Vikings, if they end up playing them in the first round of the playoffs, I could buy that bet. I I could buy that bet. If you were to tell me coming into this year that we'd be talking about that for the New York Giants this year, there's just no way. And Mia, it's a credit to a few things. It's a credit to, the right man being the head coach, which I think more than anything else. And that was going to be my follow-up question to you. How much of this is Daniel Jones versus how much of this is Brian Dable? I mean, a lot of it's Brian Dable. It's not just with Daniel Jones. Dable changed everything. He changed the whole culture there. But uh, Daniel Jones took a step up and he earned a contract. And I want to give my flowers because, yes, it's true. Many fans out there said, hey, you look like a guy that would have played Eli Manning in a Hallmark Channel movie. And you know what? You'd be right in saying so. He didn't have because Eli Manning would have casted him. That's right. He didn't have a lot of fire. He didn't play with a lot of spark. He got hurt a lot. There were concerns about his long-term neck and back sustainability coming into the season. We deserve, or rather, Daniel Jones deserves our respect, Mia O'Brien, and I, I think he has proven himself to be a top ten quarterback in the league this year. So, so oh, top ten. Oh, wow, that's I think spicy. so. That's because statistically, crazy. it's not going to show it. But his game management took a big step up. In playoffs, what matters most? It matters how you manage the tempo of a game. Because if you can put yourself in a position to win late, that's all you need to do. 
which the San Francisco 49ers currently have a game manager in Brock Purdy as their quarterback. That is obviously because of injuries. At the same time, while Kyle Shanahan has proven you can get to the Super Bowl with a game manager, uh, he went out and he drafted Trey Lance because he believed you need a quarterback who will take you over the top to win said Super Bowl. And so my question is, is Daniel Jones just a game manager? Is that good enough for Brian Dable and his staff in the front office? Right now with what the Giants have for him? Yeah. Because the Giants don't have a lot of talent offensively outside of Saquon Barkley. So if you are relying on someone to maximize the talent around you, keep the tempo of the game going, keep your offensive tempo moving, this is exactly the type of guy you need. And and he shows that he's not afraid to take that bootleg and run out. That That is somewhat – he's the most athletic quarterback the Giants have ever had, period. So I think they're – I don't think it's out of the realm of reasonability to suggest that this man is a top 10 quarterback right now in the NFL, even if his numbers don't show it. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. Leave a chat, leave a super chat, go to KYNchat.com. Let us know. We'll read your chat on air or you just go right into YouTube and leave it there as well. Cause I would love to know if you disagree and if you disagree, great. We encourage healthy debate here. We know, love the YouTube chats. We love our super, you're someone who our super likes chats. To pile on players for the memes and the lulls. I get it. I can mean, I ask you? Yeah. Speaking of memes and lulls, can I ask you one more question? And maybe this will also get us some super chats and comments. Okay. Um, since I don't see this on our rundown for tonight, but I want to pivot to it briefly. Um, staying in the New York metropolitan area, um, driving home from the Jaguars Jets game that I covered. But of course I'm from New Jersey. So I was able to stay at my parents' house driving home at 2 AM and listening to WFA and the fan and the crazy Jets fans calling in and the quarterbacks that they would and would not like for the Jets to target this off season. Um, they poo pooed the possibility of Daniel Jones staying at MetLife, but changing what Jersey he wears. Um, I number one, I thought that that was crazy because to your point, Daniel Jones has been way better than any quarterback the Jets have this year. Um, but also too. Both the Giants and the Jets, what is their quarterback situation in 2023, 2024, and then even four or five years from now? I mean, now? I think the Giants have to make a legitimate offer to Daniel Jones. I do. And look, if you're wrong on him, well, you made a bet coming off a year where he gave you no reasons to doubt him. There's nothing that Daniel Jones did playing-wise this year that makes me say they can't win with this guy. Is he going to be a top-five quarterback in the NFL? Probably not. But – We've seen teams win Super Bowls with guys who were not top five quarterbacks. Even in a league that is so quarterback driven, we've seen guys that are not top five quarterbacks win Super Bowls. As far as the Jets go, look, th- that's a team where roster construction wise, they're, they might even be in a little more of a position to win now than the Giants were. And the quarterback play just kind of docked them a little bit. So I think they need to go out and get a quarterback for a short term fix before you develop another one. Go get a big name. Go get – if Aaron Rodgers becomes available, New York Jets should be all in on Aaron Rodgers. Go get a two-year fix from him. See what you can get out of that. I know Lamar Jackson's a name, obviously, that comes to mind too. But, yeah, I think the Jets are definitely more in a win-now win mode in that regard. I got such a kick out of all the Jets fans who were like, it's Rodgers, Lamar, or bust. And I'm like, you may want to like uh, drop your expectations a little bit to Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, like just in case – just in I mean, case. It could be Derek Carr, but I'm not giving up a lot of assets for Derek Carr. Yeah, that's true. Which of those two teams, though, in New York, um, which one do you think more likely to draft a quarterback day one or day two of this week, this year's NFL draft? The Jets. 
Not the Giants. You don't think the Giants are going to draft a quarterback at all? I mean, the Giants might draft a quarterback at some point, but if you're asking me which team's more likely to, it's the Jets. I think the Giants, the Giants have a long-term answer at quarterback. It's Daniel, Say, Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. Daniel Jones proved he is worth. He is worth the investment. Now, will it pay off? Who's to say? But you can't. If if let me put it this way, Mia, if Daniel Jones gets a good contract and he flames out. You can't blame the Giants for giving him the contract because he proved that he deserved the offer. I, I really do believe that. And I'm the first to be super critical on something like that. But I really do believe it. I've never seen you get so fired up. This is great. Let's keep this I, energy I'm not, going. I'm not being measured here because we're going to talk about a quarterback that you get fired up about on the daily. And the exactly. Jaguars. All right. Break this down for us. So the Jaguars and the Titans are going to play for the AFC South title. It's been an Correct. ugly division. It's been an ugly year, but the Jags are hot right now, and the Titans are not. The Titans come into this game. This is going to be played on Saturday night. The Titans come into this game with extra rest because they played this past Thursday. The Jaguars will have to turn around on short rest and play this game with all the marbles on the line. Winners in, losers out. Me, O'Brien... Did the Jaguars get hosed here? Uh, Yeah, I mean, on the surface, it says that. But in my opinion, like, just go play the game. Uh, and maybe that's an old school approach. But moreover, the Jaguars do have home field advantage. Um, I'm sure if you ask the NFL, their excuse would be, well, the Jaguars played the Texans on Sunday, and the Texans are playing for the right to draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce, uh, Bryce Young. So, uh, yeah. Uh, they rested. I mean, they were up twenty-one nothing before the second before the second the first quarter was over, John. And well, that was my point, by the way, I want to say this real quick on the yeah. Giants thing. When the Giants went into the second half with that, oh, the Colts. oh, we didn't even talk about the Snow Angels and Nick well, Foles. Well, well, and all that. But when the Giants went into the second half with the lead, I knew it was different, Mia, because I wasn't even worried. I said they're going to win this game. And well, yet, John. It's funny you say that. And all that stuff, but yeah. Funny you say that because I would say that's how most Jaguar fans Mm -hmm. should feel. A lot do feel that way because it feels different, right? When you have an adult as your head coach, like an actual competent, like, you know, nothing against some predecessors to Doug Peterson and Ryan Dable, but when you have a guy who has, like you said earlier in the program, established a culture and an expectation, win or lose, this is how we approach our job. There's something to be said about that because when the players start believing it, everyone in the building starts believing it. Heck, even the media that spend a lot of time in the building are like, yeah, I am confident. And moreover, I could tell you this, John, like the Jacksonville Jaguar fan base, obviously, and we talked about it off the top, you know, because Jacksonville is a smaller media market, they're always going to get the shaft from national media and from the executives and they don't want them on national. Because Aaron Rodgers is a bigger draw, even though Green Bay is a smaller media market, but who cares? Um, So to which I say this, historically speaking, during the uh, dire years between the Mark Brunel era and the modern era of Blake Bortles, there actually were tarps placed on Mm -hmm. certain areas of TIA Bank Field and Everbank Field because they couldn't sell those tickets. There were blackouts. There were local blackouts in the area because they were trying to get people to go to Jaguar games. I can tell you this. I fully expect Saturday night to be the most pro-Jags crowd outside of the 2017 season that we have seen in Jacksonville since the year 2000. And that is going to be 
absolutely epic. There's rumors that it's going to be a teal out. I think that that's going to be amazing television. And you cannot lose, even with the wacky history of the Jaguars and the Titans, with that sort of momentum. But even if you take all that external noise away, because I talked to Doug Peterson this morning and he said this, even if you take all this external noise away, they have a plan. And they have been executing the plan. They have been focused. This is your routine. This is what you do. You don't get too high. You don't get too low. For four weeks now. And they've won all four. And to be quite frank, they've done it for six weeks. They've won five of six. That trip up to Detroit where they laid an egg was probably the best thing for them. Because they learned, okay, maybe you don't read your own press clippings. Maybe you don't smell your own farts. And now look at them. So um, am I still concerned because the Titans have the Jaguar killer, Derrick Henry? Yes. Um, Does it stink that... The Titans literally rested all their starters for Thursday night football against the Cowboys because the game was meaningless. And now they get an extra three days rest on top of that. Yeah, sure. But the Jaguars aren't going to be complaining when they get an extra day's rest for the playoffs week one. Well, I look at it more when you're hot, like the Jaguars are, you don't necessarily want to take your foot off the pedal. Mm -hmm. And They won three games in 12 days. Would it be nice to have some rest? Of course. It lets you guys get healthy, but when you're hot, you don't want to sit too long because mm-hmm. you're you're riding that. You're feeling that momentum. There's a lot of teams, and we talked about a lot during the baseball playoffs where these long layoffs were happening. It's like, man, those teams just – Just to get know, it on a certain day of the week. Like, yeah. I, so, get, I get media ratings, but, like, come on. So one, one day less of rest than what they typically would have gotten, I really don't think it makes that big of a difference. I mean, maybe you, you know – I mean, like our, I I'll tell you that, yeah, like our schedule is going to be condensed this week. Um, so like tomorrow is typically the Tuesday is typically the off day. Players will be in the building, but not practicing. Like they're just going to do a walkthrough. And then Friday will be what Saturday usually is, which is a walkthrough. But at the end of the day, all anyone has wanted is for this team to be in prime time, get a standalone game. You got Buck and Aikman coming. Like, well, and you're not, you're not playing, you're not practicing this week to get better you're practicing this week to beat the titans so a lot of other weeks which which involves a lot of resting because you're going to be going against Derek Henry right right. and a lot of weeks when NFL teams are practicing the first half of that week is spent on fixing mistakes from the week prior and just trying to improve as players you don't need that at this point you know what Doug said Doug's like we're not watching the Texans game I asked him he's like we're not we're we're on to Tennessee you're not playing for that kind of so you're not playing oh I I'd like to see a little more awareness from this player no you're playing to beat the packages that the Titans bring your way and that's ultimately what that boils down to that's why really me I don't I don't look at this as the Jaguars getting hosed person no if anything I look at it as a great opportunity national television audience the only game on the docket, bowl season will be over. And let's also be Don't real play the game. Too. Say what you want. The Packers and the Lions, those are institutional NFL franchises versus the Jaguars and the Titans, which are not. Correct. It's as simple as that. No, I, and, that, and like, listen, at the end of the day, until he starts winning Super Bowls and MVPs, Trevor Lawrence is not the draw that Aaron Rodgers is. No. And like it, I said, it, I think it, one it reason really talking about, I think the idea that this could be Aaron Rodgers' last game with the Packers is also a very important storyline that draws eyes so regardless of whether the lions are still eligible or not and yeah i I very much believe also let's be real the lions renaissance has been a lot of fun as well so 
I mean, I enjoy Dan Campbell. I, at first, I didn't think I would because some of those hoorah guys, like, I'm like, eh, I don't really. Like, Big Brain down in Miami, I can't wait. I accur- I love Mike McDaniel. I think he's hilarious. But I accurately predicted in August this flame out of the Dolphins. And, like, Brandon Staley, the other Big Brain in uh, Los Angeles, like, I can't get behind that. Dan Campbell, man's man. Love it. And he talks, to, he walks the walk, too. He talks the talk, walks the walk. I appreciate that. Uh, leave a super chat if you enjoy Dan Campbell. Uh, or if you don't enjoy him, or Doug Peterson, or Mike McDaniel, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, all all of the friends. Leave comments on YouTube and more. We appreciate it. And also, um, it, it just helps the cause because then we get to talk about it more. Speaking of people who like to talk, Jim Harbaugh, The Athletic, is reporting that the University of Michigan alum and head coach is NFL-bound if he gets an offer to return to the league. The Broncos and the Colts are considered contenders at this time. Michigan lost to TCU in the college football playoff semifinals, in case you missed that Saturday night, with some questionable officiating, though. John, is this an appropriate way for Harbaugh's tenure to end at his alma mater? Oh, yeah. Yeah? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Listen. I feel like every year we talk about, oh, is Harbaugh NFL bound? Is Harbaugh? I feel like since the year that he left for Michigan, they were already talking about, is he NFL bound? Did he bring a little bit of prestige back to the Michigan name? He did. Yes. There were some bad. There were some bad seasons. That 2020 season was abominable uh, in Ann Arbor. You might play off the next year, though. But they come back. They rebound. Yeah. Brought some prestige back and. Uh, Michigan he beat Ohio State. Mo- Ohio most noteworthy. Didn't, didn't just beat them, crushed them, and that that matters significantly. That was a bad loss to TCU. Not taking anything away from TCU. TCU played the best game in the history of the program against Michigan. But once again, Harbaugh coming up short here. It's amazing. This guy, and this is nothing against Jim Harbaugh, personally or professionally, even. But this guy has never won the big one across the NFL or college football. But he's getting a lot of opportunities even so. you know he's in the Colts Ring of Honor sidebar? Like, how? I mean, he, he was there for a while. He was there with the Colts. And that's why I think if the Colts came to him and were like, hey, we want you as our head coach, I, I don't think the Colts are a bad fit for Jim Harbaugh because – you're not committed long-term to any quarterback of any sort there, so he could build however he wants to in that regard. He has a history with the city as well. I, If I'm a head coach, I want like nothing to do with the Denver Broncos job right now. Yeah, I, I really want more. nothing to do with that. So, yeah, would this be appropriate coming up short when it matters and then making the jump? Yeah. I think Very on is. brand. I think it is, and – Again, to all these people, and I see it every single day in my timeline, who say the transfer portal is the worst thing. Players can just go wherever. Look what these coaches do year in and year out in both the NFL and college football, especially college football. We also know that Jim Ursay loves his former players. He likes making them coaches. I just want to put that on the record. There's no loyalty whatsoever among college football coaches two programs you very few outliers there this is appropriate to me mia what say you yep um i mean how else is he gonna go like by winning a natty with kirby smart and nick saban still in the game i don't see that happening anytime soon i'd rather you know bet on pigs to start flying um because i i just don't see him beating either of those well, programs look, the reality is we were a few 
potentially a few calls away, a few snaps away from getting Ohio State versus Michigan in the national championship game. I mean, we were, wrong really, we were very close to that. Which would have been in the same year, I guess same-ish year, of UNC Duke in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Which would have been incredible for content purposes. But at the same time, Ohio State losing at the buzzer on a missed field goal was also fantastic uh, for content purposes. No, I, I think that the fact of the matter is for Jim Harbaugh, has he hit his ceiling? Outside of making a national championship game, like and, and I, that is a, that is a valuable question to ask because when you see these two years of success here, he well, won two Big Ten people, titles. He beat Ohio people, State twice. You've got people wanting to come play for Michigan again, and if you're going to give up on that, there's going to be a lot of what ifs. Well, what if Harbaugh had stayed and he proved he didn't get a chance to prove that this winning culture was being built. I don't know. I mean, it's tough. And and if you're a Michigan fan, I, I feel for you because that's that's really crappy. But at the same time, that's the nature of the business. That's just how it is. And it would be funny if he goes from one former home in Michigan to Indianapolis. I think he could spin that knowing him. He would spin that into like, well, you know, I'm going home again and, and I in, in a different think, way. I do think that it was deliberate, especially since last year there were talks of him potentially jumping back to the NFL. I do think going to Minnesota, where apparently he assumed he had the job in the bag. I think it's deliberate that he came back for another year, knowing if I prove that I can lead this Michigan team once again to the playoff, then no team can deny me in the NFL. And it's true, they can't. I mean, let's not take anything away here either. Jim Harbaugh was a really good coach for a period of time with the 49ers. He went to the Super Bowl. He brought them. They were knocking on the door in 2011 against the Giants. And then the next year they go to the Super Bowl. So let's not take anything away from him in that sense. Just saying. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But as you alluded to, we got this insane Ohio State-Georgia game. This game was nuts. Both games really were just absolutely outstanding. And the coolest thing about this was the New Year's ball in Times Square dropped on the East Coast right as Noah Ruggles' 50-yard field goal went wide left for Ohio State. And Georgia beats OSU by one to advance to the college football playoff title game against TCU. Uh, this was incredible sports theater, outstanding drama. You could not have asked for anything more. And one thing that I kept hearing from people is like, why would you play a bowl game this late? Why would you? Because you allow yourself opportunities like this, where it's just so unique and probably something that's never going to happen again, just like that. Was this the best college football playoff we've ever seen? Yes. We haven't seen two, both playoff games, both uh, playoff semifinal games be competitive. People will always draw upon, and I know Stetson Bennett brought it up in his post-game interview, they'll always go back to that Rose Bowl between Georgia and uh, Oklahoma that Baker Mayfield played in back in 2017. They'll always go back to that one. Um, But the other one was a bust that year. That was the Kelly Bryant stinks Mm -hmm. game. Um, So, you know, like that's the problem. Or even like Joe Burrow and LSU, arguably one of the best college football teams of all time, blasted Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma. Both dudes are doing okay in the NFL. Both those rosters turned dozens of NFL talent. But for whatever the reason, we've had at least one blowout. And so the fact that both games were as competitive as they were, they were back and forth and wacky. Like, I I said this when we were brainstorming what we wanted to talk about tonight. Like, I said, as someone who's a huge proponent of the 12-team playoff, like, 
Does this I, I negate- couldn't have been happier. I couldn't have been happier that that's what occurred so, Saturday so night. Then does this negate the need for the 12-team expanded playoff? Because it shows us that we can get a great playoff. No, because if I heard one more time from Alabama fans that they could have beaten all four of these teams, um, I would have a lot of money if I took a penny from each of them each time. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the FCS has been using a playoff bracket and letting 16 mm-hmm. teams in for years. And it's great. And it's great. It's competitive. People watch the games. Even if it's 16 versus one, it's competitive. And even if it's not competitive, people are still going to watch the games because more football will be watched. That that's It's as simple as that. But I honestly think the 12-team playoff, and I would have been okay with an 18-team playoff as well, it's about giving five, six, seven, and eight a chance. Mm-hmm. Because I do believe if you had given Alabama a chance, they could have run the table. You saw Ohio State, the four seed in the first year of the playoff, run the today. table. Look Tulane. at what Tulane, Tulane is your Cotton Bowl champion. So for everyone that told me that number 12 Tulane, Tulane is the only wave that we allow in this house. There, there it is. Everyone who told me Tulane would have gotten blasted by Alabama, uh, ask USC how that went for them. So, yeah, I, I just, I like the idea of in a country where we value March Madness and the NCAA tournament and Cinderella's, the thought of having that in football is pretty unique. I understand they're two different sports. I understand that football, you only play one day, you know, once a week as opposed to in basketball where you can play multiple games in a single weekend, let alone a week. But this country loves the underdog. Why wouldn't you want to let more underdogs in? I don't understand that. I don't disagree with you. I I, I really did think that this was just outstanding sports theater where you had the very best of every element of sport that you love on display here, including the element of the human element where, yeah, maybe the refs did miss some calls and can that hurt fan bases? Sure. That can hurt. It can suck, but sports rule when we feel with the action that's going on. And there was so much of that across these two games, even if you had no vested interest in either of these games, my brother-in-law is a diehard Georgia Bulldogs fan. And he was with my sister and all their friends at new year's in the city as the ball was dropping. They weren't in times square, but they were in the city and the ball's dropping literally hits zero as, as the kick goes up. My sister goes to plant one on him and he's got his phone up on the side like this just because he's got all the vested interests in the world. That's amazing. That's outstanding. We need more of that. I'm all for New Year's Eve football. I think it's great. And the college football playoff adds to the importance of that. So I'm all about it. But you could argue, Mia, that that was the best of bowl season. You would be wrong because something was even better. Was it not? I love the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I love it so much. Even in a barn burner, like the game we had between NC State and Maryland, it's still delivered. A fan chugged a jar of mayo. You see that right In the stands. Did you also see Mike Loxley with the mayo on him? It was like a meme waiting to happen. Um, John, is this admirable or disgusting? Would you ever chug mayonnaise out of a jar? Uh, Not straight mayo. I I don't think I – I mean, look at this. Look at that commitment there. That that is a double fisted mayo chug from this. It looks like it's a cone. Well, because he's smashing it against his face. I know, but it looks like a cone. It looks um, like he ate mayo in the cone. Listen, I, I love ice cream. Well, that ain't ice cream. I know that's mayonnaise. And I am Mister Foodie. I'm I'm a, a Guy Fieri addict. Um, I'm all about condiments. I think condiments are great. I love different variations of mayo, a nice spicy mayo, 
um, perhaps an aioli. I'm all about that stuff. Even a Japanese mayo. But straight up Duke's mayonnaise, which, and you know I hate eggs with every fiber of my body, which is just essentially straight up liquefied eggs. I am not giving this man kudos. That was an act of Satanism from this man who chugged this jar of mayonnaise. I, I don't know about you. I have a pork tenderloin in the oven right now, and now I'm wondering if I should be dipping it in mayo. Just dipping it? Yeah, you know me. I used to dip everything in French dressing, and I dip a lot of things in ranch dressing. Yeah, like but I, mayo, mayo, mayo alone, just yeah. dipping something in mayo. And, and again, I'm not shaming mayonnaise per se. I'm not going to shame mayonnaise because I think mayonnaise... This is a good thing, by the way, John, because this ensures that you're not a Tennessee Titans fan. They love to uh, eat their mayo straight. So I, I think mayonnaise can add complexity to the flavor profile of the food. But, but, straight up, out of a jar, what is appealing about that, Mia? Please, I need you to explain that to me. Yes, a good uh, William in the chat, even though it's not a super chat, we had a good sriracha aioli, absolutely, yes. Yeah, that I would have in a heartbeat, it. William. About it. Um, I mean, you're doing it because it's it's kind of like, why do you drink eggnog at Christmas? I don't! <laughs> I feel like morally, I don't even like, I'll like have a little sip of it. And I'm like, cause it's Christmas. It's the Duke's Mayo's Mayo Bowl. That's why you have to have some Mayo. Listen guys, I'm serious. Leave a super chat. I don't care if it's $2. Leave a super chat on YouTube right now. Let us know how much would you have to be paid to chug a full size jar of mayonnaise. We're not making this a weekly wager. Don't worry. We're no. not going to subject John to no, that. I just, I just want you to know that I'm very curious in all of our fans' vested interest here. What monetary amount would you need to chug a jar of mayonnaise? What would you say, Mia? What, what, what would you value that at for you personally? Probably like 300 bucks. 300? Yeah. You chug an entire jar? Yeah. Okay. Would I have a knife? I mean, you can use whatever you do. You got to yeah. Consume if I can use a knife or a spoon, jar. yeah, I do three hundred bucks. You got to consume this entire jar in one sitting. Yeah. Do I get like bread or chips or no? Just straight mayo. No, no, straight mayo. Yeah. Oh my god, three hundred. I like mayo. Yeah. <sighs> you, just, you just like think about other things while you're. It's at least it. for, for me. It is at least a grand. At least a grand minimum. And and I'm again. I don't. That's also because, like, like you said, you don't eat eggs, so. Ugh. I had eggs yesterday and today. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. We'll do this. The Winter Classic. This went down at Fenway Pack. The Penguins and the Bruins. The Bruins picking up a 2-1 win today. Uh, just so scenic and fantastic. I've had a chance to cover hockey at Fenway. I've had a chance to cover football at Fenway. It is such a special venue. And seeing that environment is really, really incredible. But I ask you, Mia, as someone who I'm sure has been to your fair share of venues, perhaps even some historic venues in your own right, what is one venue you'd like to see hold one of these offshoot events, and what would that event be? Just you know, something atypical. 
Well, first, I want to start with this. Like, a lot of my dream scenarios have already been realized. Um, I mean, I got to cover a pinstripe bowl, which as a Yankees fan, that was awesome, as much as it was 17 degrees. Yeah, but the new Yankee Stadium doesn't have the allure. No, no, no. But what, right. It doesn't have the allure. But what was really cool is because of the nature of football, and I was filming the game, you're on the field, so you can walk into the dugout. You can mm-hmm. walk into the bullpen, and literally – the score from the last game from the previous season was still up there and the bullpen card, the lineup cards were there. And like that as a Yankees fan, just because of the nature of my job was that was incredible. Like as much as yes, I almost froze my butt off. It it was incredible. Um, The field of dreams. I love that they play games there now. I know that's a hot take. I understand it's not the field that was in the movie, but I do greatly appreciate the fact that now they're also going to be building a bunch of youth ballparks in that area in Dubuque and Dyers, Dubuque County, Dyersville, Iowa. Um, I, I personally, I think that that first game between the White Sox and the Yankees, since I know you love to talk about sports theater cinematically, John, I think that Fox, it was a masterpiece. One of the best broadcasts I have ever seen. And obviously the game delivered with a walk-off win for the White Sox. But I, I mean, listen, like that was that was gorgeous for me. And then the other one that I'll give you is um, back in 2015, um, the Iowa wrestling team, which is, of course, you know, renowned for all the national championships that they've uh, accumulated over the, t- over the years of the Brands Brothers and, of course, Dan Gable, um, they actually wrestled on the football field at Kinnick stadium. So pre, so the Minnesota Iowa football game kicked off at seven o'clock at noon that day, earlier in the day on the same field, they actually put wrestling mats on the football field and they actually had the wrestling match. And there were many, as many people there for the football game as there, as there were for the wrestling match. Um, and that was in a year that Iowa went to the Rose bowl. So, but what's one venue you would like to see host one of these offshoot events? What would that event be? I'd like to see something like an NBA All-Star game or a Winter Classic in Death Valley. I think seeing yeah. something where you have literally the loudest stadium that's ever been built that is registered on the Richter scale. Seeing these superstars in that environment would be outstanding. Seeing it in the Rose Bowl, Winter Classic in the Rose Bowl would be very mm-hmm. cool as well. I really like the uh I like when they play ba- basketball, college basketball on the aircraft carrier. It is interesting. You really don't see the NBA doing anything outside. Um, we just filmed an episode for 1010 of our uh, high school basketball series on an outdoor court, and the high school players were complaining I, that it's too – it's different. It's different. I, you want to know my ultimate one? This this is like – this this would be such a no-brainer, and I can't believe that this is not something that is happening. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. Knicks versus Nets at Rucker Park. Yep. I was just going to say it, actually. Yep. And you just let them play a game of street ball, essentially. I think it is a layup for a different event and would do numbers. Yes, literally. And and seriously, guys, I would love to know uh, what you guys have. Leave us that super chat or go to kynchat.com and we'll try to get it on as there. You can leave it right on YouTube as well. What is one venue and one event that you would like to see one of these specialty offshoot events go down as Uh, do any others come to mind for you i would say baseball in a football stadium but we tried that in oakland it didn't work out too high well it has been i the yankees played a few exhibition games back in the late 70s and i think the early 80s at the superdome and it was a very unique setup and then the dodgers of course used to play at the la coliseum and 
to left field line, it was like 250, and they had the big net up there too, so there were just home runs being hit left and right. That uh, it has happened before. Trying, I was trying to think. I was trying to think golf. Like I was trying to figure out some sort of way that. I mean, we saw NASCAR did the LA Coliseum yep. this past mm-hmm. year, which was crazy. Yep, yep. I was trying to think of like something you could do with Augusta or the stadium course, or even obviously the atmosphere at TPC Scottsdale for the waste management open. Like it creates almost like a spectacle vibe on their stadium course on the, I believe it's the 17th green. Um, something like that, but that's a tough one too. So I'll think on it. Okay. All right, let's keep rolling. We're going to stay in the basketball realm. Cause like I said, it is surprising knowing Adam Silver is one of the better commissioners in professional sports that they don't do a ton of crossover. Um, we're going to talk about Luka Doncic. He had three, three, wow. Words. He had three 50 point showings in five games this past week including a 60-point, 21-rebound, 10-assist outing against the Knicks. How many people actually knew about this? That's that's the first and foremost impo- unfortunate I part. Like, I feel like that was a pretty big deal the other day. but Yeah, I feel like people did make a big deal of it. Maybe I was just lost in the sauce of college bowl season uh, in the Mayo. Is it wrong to infer that the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks, who, of course, traded their fifth overall pick, excuse me, the third overall pick to the Dallas Mavericks, and they got the fifth overall pick, and they took Trey Young, is it wrong to infer that they lost the trade early in their careers? Well, Trey Young's a multiple-time All-Star. Trey Young is very much like in that conversation where he could be on a Hall of Fame trajectory. It's not implausible to suggest that. But I think we're talking about a potential top five point guard ever in Luka Doncic. And maybe that's a little overzealous of me to say. But for him to, I don't think it's more overzealous than Daniel Jones as a top 10 quarterback. Continue for him to will the Mavericks back in that game against the Knicks and to develop, to continue to develop in the way that he has under Jason Kidd, which I know Jason Kidd taking that Mavericks job, getting to work with Luka Doncic was a big appeal for him. I don't think it's too soon to say that the Hawks lost this trade. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. No, and I don't think it's out of the realm to say what you said about him being a top five point guard ever, because I think in a similar vein to Steph Curry, he's going to be regarded as someone who changed the game and continued to open the pipeline from Europe to the United States and the NBA. And so, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, and look, look, here's the fact of the matter. The Mavericks in Luka's rookie season had Dirk Nowitzki still there, which that statue they just built outside of American Airlines Center is Awesome, by the way. So great. But they just built in Dallas outside of the arena. Um, It helped not only having Dirk that first year, I think, for Luka, but it also helped that obviously the Mavericks have been relevant. And there were always already pieces around Luka when he arrived. You could argue that Trey Young had the more uphill battle. I mean, there's already talk of, will McMillan get canned this offseason? Will Trey Young have to have another new head coach again? Uh, and then, you, you know, Kevin Horder. The Red Rocket was a sidekick. He goes out to Sacramento. Who has Trey Young consistently had in his corner in Atlanta throughout the last few seasons? Whereas Luka, yes, obviously Jalen Brunson says goodbye and goes to New York and Dirk retires and Boban and company and some other guys are, you know, not always going to be in Dallas forever. 
But I think that at least in the front office, even with a new head coach and Jason Kidd, I feel like there's just more consistency around Luka Doncic, and that's what's allowing him to succeed. And that is why well, our expectations for him remain so and low. And you have ownership that's willing to invest in Mark Cuban. But I, I think and that... And they're very forward-facing, of course, with Mark Cuban. Like, I, on any normal day, you'd be like, man, you know what, I'm still taking Trey Young as my point guard any day of the week. He's one of the elite scorers in the NBA. He plays with a lot of spunk. He's a legit blockbuster box office attraction but I think Luca is I mean just look at that one stat line that you rattled off that triple double there I think it was that he had um the 21 rebounds point guards don't get that that doesn't happen that's not something that you're used to seeing so for him to be able to develop that well-rounded um approach the game. I mean, it reminds me of Jason Kidd when Jason Kidd used to have all those triple doubles. He was a triple double machine. Uh, when you t- play in that vein and then you take it to that next level, I mean, three times scoring 50 points in five games, that is what a truly elite athlete does. It's a, so, Kobe, it's a Kobe, LeBron, 100%, Michael Jordan, 100%. Steph Curry. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's amazing that we continue to see so many generational talents pop up in the NBA. And I think a lot of it's because the nature of the game has changed where it really is so superstar driven now more than ever. So you start to see more and more and more of these show up. I think it's a matter of us taking the time to appreciate these contributions to the game. And like you said, you're opening doors for the next generation as well. I don't think it's out of the realm of reasonability to suggest that the the Hawks lost this trade, and I do think it's plausible to suggest that Luka is already on the verge of declaring himself to be an all-time great. I don't know if you have anything. Kobe. Okay. So what's 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 Luka's, what's Luca's signature? Uh, what 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 do you do that leads you to shout Luca? Doesn't he like to like eat a ton of food before he plays? Maybe I'll eat some McDonald's. <laughs> eat that mayonnaise and see what happens. Yeah, there anyway. You go. We got one more for you here on Out of Bounds. This should be a fun one today. 60th birthday for David Cohn. And uh, you may remember David Cohn, of course, in the summer of 1999 through a perfect game. And it's one of the more impressive perfect games ever thrown because there's a rain delay in the middle of it. And it got me thinking, Mia, about the true feat of a perfect game and how difficult it truly is to retire 27 batters without allowing anyone on base is a perfect game in its essence the hardest single in-game feat to achieve in sports um so i had an answer for that but then my wheels started turning because i was going to say that i think an underrated feat that i believe is right there with the perfect game is our boy jim furick and his record for a single round with a 59 mm-hmm. or 58, 58. Yes. 58 on a single um, round of, on the PGA tour. I think that's incredible. Um, but my question is, I mean, there's going to be outliers. Like Will Chamberlain scoring a hundred points, but like, that's also probably not something. Correct. We're again. Um, because that's the other thing is like a team sport versus a individual sport, because with, with David Cohn's perfect game versus another perfect game, how many strikeouts did he have? Versus well, how much did it? How much did maybe a game-saving catch by an outfielder affect the outcome? Well, of the game? that is that is also the thing, though. Like you, you are reliant on 
your teammates playing well around you in addition to you being good. David Cohn had 10 strikeouts in that game. Right. And it was one of so the 17 highest- other outs. He needed help. Yeah. And, but listen, man, I mean, that is relying on your defense to be freaking stellar. Right. So, because I, I was going to respond with, I mean, have we ever seen a quarterback have a per- perfect passer rating in the National Football League? After how many attempts? <laughs> well said. Yeah. Uh, let's say, let's yeah, say twenty. Sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, have we I'm ever seen sure. someone go twenty of twenty? I'm not sure, honestly. Because that that was that's what I would say. Um, only because that's another one where there's so many external factors as well. I think I, I like your point about. Uh, yeah, here we go. Okay, so uh, actually, several have have done a perfect passer rating, okay. um, but in terms of completing all of your your passes, let's see here. Um, I'm scrolling through the list as we go. I don't see anyone who was perfect in terms of attempts and completions. So I don't believe that that has happened uh, at that level, but. Again, I think when you're pushed against records like Furyk was, I mean, to have the intestinal fortitude and the focus to be able to put yourself in that moment and be consistent through 18 holes is so incredibly difficult. No questions asked about that. I, But I also think hitting a baseball that's 98 miles an hour coming at you is maybe the hardest thing that you can possibly do in sports. I, I still really do genuinely believe that. So to be able to play at that level of consistency and to bring it in that sense. I mean, many guys flirt with perfect games, but there really have not been many in the history of the game. And you think about how long baseball has been around. I, I think throwing a perfect game may be the single hardest thing to that you can do in sports. I mean, that's what, that's the thing is how few have there been in all, in all the years of professional baseball. Talking about around 20. Yeah. That's what makes it elite. In my opinion, like a lot of people have 50 point games. A lot of people throw for five touchdowns, but not a lot can actually go have said they threw a perfect game. Did did Patrick Mahomes' dad throw a perfect game? He did not because he was not a pitcher. But I know he wasn't, but I had to ask since I brought up football in passing. But uh, there have been 23 perfect games in baseball history. So, and, and no pitcher has ever thrown more than one. Not even Nolan Ryan threw a perfect game. And he had seven no hitters. Make it right. that one well. Seven no hitters. Seven no hitters. But a perfect game is just that much harder. This has been a fun episode of Out of Bounds, Mia. Big week for you. All yes. or nothing. Duval gonna be lit Saturday night. Uh gonna be making the rounds. I know already got Nashville radio. I gotta pop on on Friday and uh, a couple others coming up, and uh, I'm also going to go make sure that uh, our pork tenderloin uh, that I have in the oven is not on fire right now. I appreciate, though, all the super chats and the YouTube comments, especially from those here in Duval County. Go Jags. Yes, we appreciate all of you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of Out of Bounds. We'll see you next week right here on Know Your News. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.